welcome to the Serpent Temple podcast. We're back with a weekly review. Please forgive our small break. Um, today, we're going to be reviewing three albums. The first one is Growers of Mushroom by Leafhound, released in 1971. The second is Shahili by Miraf, released in 2019. And the third is Didorn by Amundra, released in 2021. So, Floyd, what did you think of Leafhound? Well, I just want to say we need to find out who manufactures those pens because I need one of those pens. I'm <laughs> super envious of. Um... We need a sponsorship. <laughs> <laughs> um, cool. I thought um, this, I really like this album, and um, it was interesting reading up about it because it seems to have a lot of lore and history surrounding it. Like, there's some really cool facts about it, like, selling, apparently, for, like, thousands and thousands. 4,329 US dollars. Yeah. Imagine having that much expendable income to, <laughs> to buy an album. That's crazy. <laughs> but, hey, but, I mean, this is meant to be, like, pretty much one of the proto-Doom albums, right? Yeah, it's, it's, a, it's like a really uh, kind of cult legend Proto Doom album. A lot of the members. I mean, it's got Pete French, who went on to form Atomic Rooster and, yeah. and also starring Cactus. So it's one of those. Um, and yeah, it's it's one of apparently it's a much sought after LP by collectors. So the the four the four thousand dollar one was like a mint condition copy of the seventy one release. Yeah, I believe. And it's crazy because you know I actually get such an American kind of vibe and flavor from this album. Yeah. Like I would not have thought this was like a London formed band like it was just I don't know if it was the cowbell in the first track that kind of <laughs> swung me towards the, thinking it was a US band but um but no, there's a lot of cool shit going on here and it's um and as I've said once before one of my favorite things about doing this podcast is just discovering so much music from this decade that's just well not flown under the radar because obviously this is highly sought after I mean flown under my radar at least <laughs> yeah pretty fucking bold of me to claim that a band has flew under the radar just because I haven't heard of them. But um but now there's some cool shit and like as you said, like it's got um Pete French and his vocals are great. I love his vocal style. Um and then apparently he also had some members that went on to form free and uh Fog Hat with the only you know one Fog Hat song. You know that uh, no. Slow Ride Take It Easy Great song. I'll check it out. Yeah no it's that their rendition sounds better than what I just did. <laughs> I'll, I'll leave that to um, actually listening to it. Who knows? I'm, I'm still on the bench. On the bench? On the fence. <laughs> on the bench. Still on the bench. You've been <laughs> subbed in. <laughs> uh, it's all that football stuff. Anyway, yeah, that's not good. For the record, I don't give a fuck about football. Sorry. <laughs> Couldn't give a shit. I like playing it, but yeah. I just don't like watching sports. I prefer to do the sport. Yeah. I'm, I'm with you on that one. Yeah. For sure. I mean, you do like wrestling, though. So, I mean, that is entertainment. Yeah, see, yeah, that's like the fine balance between sports and entertainment. And I do really like badminton as well. And I keep, really? I've spoke to a few people at work and we've actually been talking about getting a game of badminton together. No way. So if you, anybody is, well, not anybody, I'm not inviting anybody in the world to come <laughs> play badminton. Random people of the internet. <laughs> <laughs> but, um, but yeah, no, I love it just because it's just like tennis, but far easier. I thought it was harder than tennis. Did you? Yeah, I like badminton. I like how it's called a shuttlecock. Yeah. That's a strange word, and I like yeah. it. Yeah. It's very British sounding, isn't it? It's so, oh, so shuttlecock. British. Oh, get Dickie on board. Let's go play <laughs> with the shuttlecock. Oh, that reminds me. We've seen that embarrassing as fuck clip. Sorry, we'll get back to Leafhound in a second, I promise. This is more important. Um, <laughs> seen that embarrassing as fuck clip of Boris Johnson at the 2012 Olympics. And Which one? It's the one where he's talking about um, table tennis. No. And obviously, he goes, table tennis. So you, we invented it and we called it whiff waff. And it was just all this. He was just doing his usual mumbling, fucking tripping up over himself. Yeah. I mean, that's rich coming from me. I mean, is it true? Is that, is that, oh, apparently it's legit. It, is it was true. called whiff waff. It, it was an original derivative of the game, which wow. originated in the UK, was called whiff waff, yeah. I feel like the British are masters of absurdism, yeah. but like before they knew that was what they were doing. Yeah. I mean, you could have called it something majestic, no. like feather whirling, I don't know, but no, yeah. whiff waff. Yeah, they're just, but there you go. It's a good nice name for a dog. Boris anecdote for you there. Yeah. But um, back to Leaf Hound. Mm -hmm. um, I actually hear a lot of, um, of Jimmy Bauer in here from I Hate God. Oh, really? Um, it's really cool to listen to this album and hear, like, some... It's got a real, like, proto-Doom vibe to it. Like, they've got quite a good... Like, there's obviously a lot of, like, Zeppelin 
yeah. elements to it and traditional rocky and bluesy soundscapes but at the same time you can hear some like massive massive fucking riffs and there's some huge riffs on this album yeah the riffs are so good speaking of riffs um i don't know if you know but unida covered stray you know unida it's got what's his face that's in um every every band john garcia he's oh, okay in, no he's, john garcia yeah, yeah he yeah. he covered it um and like i didn't realize until i listened to this for the first time that they'd covered stray it's a really good song yeah uh, it's just really like one thing about this album is they they say hey little woman about 500 times <laughs> yeah and I, I thought that was a john garcia thing because john garcia does it too because of yeah. stray he's like hey little woman but and he does it a lot in his other stuff he's like hey little girl hey little lady hey little woman Hey, girl, you know, all that stuff, that, yeah. like, words. It's like the yeah of Sonar Rock is girl, yeah, little girl. It's a bit, bit weird now, but, um, yeah, that's the song. It's just one of those tropes of the, the time, isn't it? It's yeah. like when you, there's a great compilation video of Metallica and all the times he mentions death, <laughs> die or dying, and it's just, it just becomes absurd after, like, three minutes in. <laughs> but it's... Um, but yeah, there was, let's say, the, in the Putin in the diplomatic way, there was quite a different attitudes towards uh, women in those days, wasn't there? So It was quite, quite different, yeah. I mean, it, we, we, still, we still haven't emerged from the murky depths of misogyny, but it's, uh, it was certainly something back then. And uh, what was another track that really kind of threw me for a loop was uh, the title track, Grower of Mushroom. Oh, it's such a good track. Yeah, it was like really like... Um, it's just kind of really odd, like kind of bouncy. There was like a lot of lot of organ and a lot of kind of noodly guitar lines, and it did sound like a track inspired or written while high on hallucinogenics. So it is like super psychedelic. I have one small snippet of lyrics for those who who care. Um, this is like the main the main part of the song. He's saying, "My life was a beetle which ran down the wall, stopping to scream at the hand in the hall. The daylight came in and shook hands of us all, for nobody could tell we were growers of mushroom." It's pretty trippy. That's pre- pretty gnarly, man. <laughs> so gnarly! Oh my god, <laughs> the hand in the hall. Yeah, I, I love that line. That whole paragraph of words and images. It's like no. super melty wall psychedelic stuff. Yeah. So how did you? come to find out about this particular group because you always seem to have an interesting story or interesting segue into discovering these ancient bands <laughs> ancient bands i don't i actually don't have a very interesting one about this one i just found them on youtube yeah. i think i liked the cover because it's like a bunch of guys and i like the colors and how like psychedelic it looks and it, it, i pretty i'm pretty sure i just typed in 1971 for the album and it was one of those one of those treasures um, and it is really, it's such an easy to listen to album as well. Yeah. It's like kind of the antithesis of Eamon Ra in a way, because like you've kind of got to dedicate yourself to like really listening and getting into the music, which is a good thing in itself. And then this is like really fun and easy. This reminds me, when I first heard it, I thought it was like a San Francisco band from like 69 or something. Yeah. So it's really interesting that it's actually UK. Yeah, it's um, yeah. I totally agree. Um, if anything, I feel like me personally, I'm actually conditioned to um, enjoy music more akin to Amin Ra stuff, a bit more intense. Whereas I feel like I need to recondition myself to enjoy something like this that's kind of a bit more mm. accessible and stuff. But it's. I also read that this was recorded in uh, eleven hours, which I think is you can kind of hear it in the music, right? There's some proper like jam sections and like with the lead guitar work, which is often quite like, um, quite free. Yeah. Yeah. I know what you mean. It's like, um, it's just really, it's kind of like youthful and fun and like a snippet of, of like young guys doing their thing on like, it feels like a hot summer day that they recorded it or something like that. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah. I mean, I love, I like both kinds of music, but I can see what you mean about like having to recondition yourself. Cause when I was getting to this kind of music, I'd just stop listening to black metal. Yeah. And, um, I think it was just like a really hot summer and I just wanted something different. Yeah. And that's when I discovered this kind of really went deep into the seventies stuff. Yeah. Yeah. It's, um, I've always, um, oh, I need to drink some water cause I can feel my throat climbing up. Uh Oh, the throat clams. Have a pit. Oh, I might just spill it over my face as well. <laughs> it's One a hot those. day, to be fair. It sounds nice. Yeah, I'm operating on about probably about five hours sleep today, so oh, I'm going to no. be at my um, word fucking up best. 
<laughs> but no, it's um, funny, going back to uh, Pete French's vocals for a second. Yeah. There was a one track, um, Stagnant Pool, which was a great track because um, it's got some really cool sleazy guitars in it. But his vocals really actually reminded me a bit of Rod Stewart at times. Oh, really? Like the more softer parts. I've never listened to Rod Stewart. See, I'm, I've only listened to Rod Stewart really through osmosis because my mum is quite a big fan of Rod Stewart and the, and the faces and stuff. So mm. I knew some of his music for that. He's got, he's got a really soulful voice, actually. Cool. Apparently he's a bit of a Lothario and a bit of a, a prick ladies' man. But, um, but yeah, he's uh, got not, a not bad voice. Good for you, Rod Stewart. <laughs> sure, will be glad to find out that I've, I've endorsed his vocal skills. <laughs> I'm sure he's listening and crying tears of joy that he's been endorsed by the Serpent Temple podcast. Um, he's welcome to come on whenever he wants. If he if he truly is listening out there on YouTube, Spotify, or all your favourite streaming services. Um, but yeah, I think this album is definitely a go-to if you want to discover the '70s. If you want to hear like an aspect of that sunny side of the of the rock, whereas like Rooster is more of the depression side. This is the, the fun mushrooms that precede the depressive episode. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, because there's some serious like emotional fucking like gravitas to that Rooster album. Like, yeah. Through like the lyricism and the vocals, right? You could tell that was coming from quite a dark place, whereas this is definitely exactly as you've just said, something a bit more accessible and you it's know, playful. Fun. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I feel like Cactus is like the far, the far joyful. It, all the songs are about like sex and farms and cactuses and, and dry heat. This is kind of in the middle and then Rooster is like the deep depression of like horror and loneliness and sadness. So it's really cool that, that you kind of have a spectrum of Pete French yeah. artistry and, and vocal work across like the 70s, I'd say. I. I indeed. I indeed. One track as well, Work My Body. It's quite a good track. Enjoyed that. Some great organ work in here as well. That's some pretty euphoric organ work that I really enjoyed. I really miss organ music, like in pop. Yeah. That Like, we need more of that in metal for sure. I think that's probably why I think we all are quite fond of later Opeth stuff, right? Because I feel mm. like they make pretty damn good use of the organ. With Mellotron. And yeah, and obviously, like, uh, what's his face? Uh, Ackerfeld is like a big 70s rock guy. So yeah. I wonder if almost certainly he got it from, from that era. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I mean, I think, I think that is probably as much leaf hounding as we can do. I will say the band's name and most of the song titles are taken from an anthology of horror stories by Herbert, Herbert Van Fahl. Oh. I've never read any Van Fahl, but oh. he sounds intriguing. I might check him out. Oh, that's cool. Yeah, I mean, it, usually these days it's like solely Lovecraft or maybe some Poe, but I wonder if Van Fell is like any good. Yeah. Got to check it oh, out. I'll have to check that shit out. Hell yeah. Yeah, I didn't really delve too much into the lyrics because it just seems like your traditional, like, It's 70s. just ladies. Yeah. And, yeah. And... yeah, it's not nothing like particularly uh, deep, I'd say, about it, but I think it's, there's always a space for this kind of music for sure. Yeah. Yeah. That was a good recommendation, a good find. Awesome. So shall we move on to, um, I, I, I think it's, I've heard people say Myraf, but I've also heard Miraf, because it's an Arabic word that apparently means legacy. So this is the Shahidi album released in 2019. See, I veer towards Miraf only because that sounds better to me. It sounds more Arabic, right? Yeah, Myraf just sounds like a, an English dude going, My Wrath. <laughs> my Wrath. <laughs> Have you heard of My Wrath? <laughs> I heard it during a game of Wiff Waff. <laughs> Sorry, I just love that word. It's ridiculous. Oh. What did you think of Shahili? Okay, um, it's I a few years back, I decided to uh, diversify my taste in heavy music a bit because I was pretty much predominantly just consuming death metal and black metal to a point where I'm just like I'm done with this shit because I need something a bit different, a bit more lighthearted. So I start to get more into kind of like power metal. And then I wouldn't even say this band is a traditional, like solely a power metal band. But I think what I really like about this group is they've got all the the best elements of power metal, whether it be the super catchy vocal lines, like simple but really groovy guitar work in the slower sections. But they managed to um, infuse it and couple it with their um, kind of a, well, was it fair to say Middle Eastern style? 
yeah. orchestrations. Yeah, so like, I know the band are from Tunisia, right? That's a, my knowledge of this part of the world is not great. But. Uh, honestly, mine too. Um, I'm, I'm pretty sure. I mean, if it's Arabic, they're, they're using Makam probably. Yeah. yeah. But it's like a great blend and it's something I hadn't really heard before. Now, we were reviewing Malakash the other week and talking about how they were able to quite seamlessly blend... Um, the more extreme facets of metal with um, with with the music with uh, like Middle Eastern music, whereas this group I feel like are doing the same but with power metal, in a way that it doesn't compromise either yeah. elements. But just like some of the vocal lines are just super super catchy. He reminds me a bit of Tobias from Avantasia at times, like it's a similar kind of timber to his voice, um, and just even the the structure of the like it's, it's poppy but in a good way. Yeah, totally. It's like kind of yeah. cheesy, but it's so like it's great. I love yeah. It. yeah. See, yeah, cheesy's fine as long as it's catchy and it's like you know, and it's a well-written song. Like I've never had really an issue with that. But no, this is a great album. I love, I love just kind of listening to this, and I think the guitars, the guitar tone is great, mm. and it actually reminded me a bit of. Um, do you remember this really kind of? They, they had moderate success. There was this second wave new metal band called Soil. I remember the logo. It's like a big S and then like a weird eye and. Yeah, yeah, so it was yeah. just like yeah, it was like a like small and lowercase letters, yeah. like all, all jumbled up. MySpace days kind of logo. Yeah, but there was a band called Soil, and they had an album called Scars. And basically, the guitarist Sean Glass—I'm saying pronouncing it Glass because he's American, and that's how he'd probably pronounce it—was he used to be the guitarist, uh, might have been the founding guitarist in the death metal band Broken Hope. Okay. But anyway, so this was like him foraying into um, new metal, and the guitar tone. On this album, that album are almost fucking identical. No way. But it was a really good guitar tone. Like it's just the, the palm mutant sounds so fucking like groovy and catchy. Like it's clear, it's not muddled. It's just got the right amount of distortion. Like I really, really like the guitar tone on this album. That's awesome. It is really well produced and mixed. It's gorgeous. Like I love this and um, Legacy. I think is their previous one released in 2016, they kind of wrote them, they wrote Legacy with Shahili in mind, so they were like already planning this when they wrote the previous album, which I yeah. think is awesome. And you can really hear like the production is really similar. You could listen to both those albums back to back and it would feel like one, I think. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, because I actually did, yeah, you're, I think you're 100% spawned with that because um, I did dip into the previous album a little bit, gave that a listen to, and you could totally, this is definitely a continuation of that sound. And I reckon, even, especially more so in, I'd say in the first few tracks, mm-hmm. and I feel like it kind of like, throws a few spanners in the works a bit later on. Like there's the track, which I've made that's called something Dice, Wicked Dice. Wicked Dice. I think has some quite cool proggy elements to it. Yeah, they, I really they, enjoyed. They do have some proggy moments for sure. Yeah. Like I really like that about them. They, they're like not trying to conform to like a particular genre. They're just doing their thing. Yeah. And it's... Um, but yeah, just just so many just fucking just really easy to listen to moments on this album. I really like the track uh, Monster in My Closet. Um, the second, like the actual first proper track on the album, Born to Survive, has got some great riffs as well. And um, I think you've got, I'll attempt to uh, try not to butcher the names here, you've got Ilias Buchuda. I think it's Elias. Elias Buchucha. That's how I'd say it, Elias. So he... It seems like he was responsible for a lot of the keyboards and the orchestrations, and I think that is quite a key element as to what makes us a good album, is how well blended mm-hmm. the orchestral elements are with the, the traditional guitar work and the, the bass and the drums and the vocals. That's something I'm really fussy about, as everyone, you guys know very yeah. well. Um, but something I love about like Arabic and a lot of Middle Eastern pop music is I love the cheesy synth in that. Yeah. They, they actually use synth really well, and I think they're not doing that like 80s thing where it's like really empty music and you've got this like oh this like screechy horrible synth just crawling through the mud of blech. but yeah. yeah anyway this is great it's like really yeah. really poppy it reminds me of like crazy parties where people are like doing the you know the shrill kind of ululation thing <laughs> <laughs> i yeah. used to go to when i was a kid it's like so so fun and also alias um he is listed as a conductor on sepultura's 2017 album machine messiah no way. There you go. That's pretty cool. That is pretty cool. I, I, regrettably, I've never... Well, I say regrettably, I mean, I've never really given much thought to it. I've never listened to any Sepultura material post Max Cavalera. I'm just not a Sepultura fan, but I do respect their yeah. body of work. So, I mean, that's really cool that he's worked with them in that way. Yeah. 
That's cool. I mean, you, I mean, you can tell by listening to this that he's obviously got some great, like, he's got a great ear for composing and stuff. Yeah, definitely, definitely. And I think to add to your point about the simps not being kind of cheesy, I think it's because they sound quite authentic here, right? Like, it's got, like, quite a yeah. tr- traditional sound to it. I mean, they do use some real instruments. They do use violin, rhubarb, which is like a stringed bowed instrument. It sounds so beautiful and mournful. And also the bandir and the darbuka and clarinet too. Oh, nice. I did see that they had about eight session violinists listed. So it's um, it's cool. I love when so much effort went into an album, you know. Yeah, me too. Um, this kind of blew my mind. So Miraf, um, like well, pre-Miraf, hang on, let me find the little paragraph that I wrote about this so I don't, I don't fuck it up. It was formed as a blues rock act called Ecstasy, spelled X hyphen... Oh, like ecstasy. Okay. Yeah, X hyphen T-A-Z-Y by 13-year-old guitarist Malik Ben Arbia in 2001. Yeah. That's amazing. Yeah. Forming that band in, in like, when you're 13 years old, of course it's called ecstasy, you're 13, so you're like, oh, yeah. drugs, but, like, I'll forgive him that. Yeah. But that's just badass to me. Yeah, yeah, you could definitely forgive a thirteen-year-old for coming up with a suspect band name. Mine would be way worse if I was thirteen. Yeah, look at look at Decapitated. They were about twelve, thirteen during their first album. Crazy, which is mental because that's like a seriously good technical death metal album. Yeah, so that's like, how is that scary. fucking possible? Literally, the drummer Vtech was like, I think he was literally about thirteen. And then, like Alan from Primordial, he was like fourteen when he joined Primordial, right in ninety-one. That's just yeah. See, that would make sense because I remember we checked his age, and I was just <laughs> like, oh, because I was like, yeah, because he didn't look old, but and surprised at how young he was. But yeah, it, was, it makes sense that he joined at a young age. Yeah, it's true. He's got good skin, either way. It's yeah. like very smooth. It's that like Irish Sea, isn't it? it is that bit, what it is? Yeah, we're, we're we're deprived of any fresh Salt. air. It's true <laughs> in this in this city. <laughs> it's just. Yeah, the size of misery that um, bathe our, our breezes here. But another thing I thought was quite cool, so there's a track which I actually didn't realise until not long before we started filming, where it was actually a cover. So it's Lily Tweel, which is a cover of a Moroccan rock band from the 60s and 70s called Les Frères Maigris. Wow. Probably didn't pronounce that right, but I gave it my best shot. Um, but yeah, because I remember when I listened to the album, so because we've uh, because of the delays, we've had a bit of time to listen to these albums. Yeah, we've been a, we've had busy home life the last few weeks. <laughs> you could say that. Um, so, um, but yeah, I, I remember when that track would come on. I was like, this has such a different flavour to it, and it's because it's a cover from this Moroccan band. And um, yeah, it's quite cool. It's um, it's got some really cool soaring guitar leads on it, and it's just uh, just the instrumentation on this album is just fantastic. I think it's not too much. Like, this is the problem with, I think... Sorry, I'm going on a bit of a rant here. Go for it. But this is the thin with a lot of power metal. And I think you could apply the same logic to um, technical death metal as well, where it's too much fucking, like, guitar wankery yeah. and fucking about to the point where you just just alienates you from it. And it's power metal and good sort of death metal, tech death. The best bands are the ones that know when to restrain themselves and yes. focus more on songwriting and less on showing on how many notes you could play. Like that shit, that has a time and a place and it's great to hear occasionally, mm-hmm. but not all the fucking time. Yeah, I, I totally I totally agree with you there. I mean, I think that is something that the more like virtuosic elements of genres in, in metal, like, you know, power metal and prog and stuff, that is something that, I mean, I saw Dream Fit Alive once and the drummer did like a 10 minute solo. Yeah. I left. <laughs> yeah. so you know like i i liked it up until that point but then i was like you know this is just ego shit now like this isn't this isn't like art anymore um, do you remember if it was mike portnoy or the other guy i think it was portnoy do you remember what portnoy done when he did you hear about his beef with the nhs is it the nhs <laughs> yeah, yeah he was um i think he caught some bug in the uk once yeah. And then went to the hospital and was complaining that he had to wait for a few hours to be seen. Uh. And it was just like, it was like, it was like you, you come from the place where you're bankrupted <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> when, you, when you have to seek medical help. So, Maybe. but yeah, no, so he caught a lot of heat from UK fans nice. because of, um, because of him kind of shit canning the NHS. Shit canning which is, it. <laughs> which is funny because like we, a lot of us do end up shit canning it at some points. But, but we're allowed to, we're English. Exactly. It's always yeah. different when someone else is, um, when someone not a UK national is shit canning. Especially given the fact that there's like a new GoFundMe every single week 
um, from people I know who live in America who are like, oh, you know, I need, I need a, my tooth is rotting out and I will die if I don't get some treatment. Yeah. It's like yeah. insane. It's mental. Absolutely crazy. That's not a, a, criti- a criticism of any American people. It's just the ridiculous health system over yeah. there. Yeah, it's like not, that is not, um, that should not be the norm for any human on this planet. Nope. But speaking of which, um, the planet, that is. Um, so, Miraf were the first Tunisian musical act to be signed outside the country. No, that's that's pretty cool. I mean, they're the only Tunisian act I think I know. So <laughs> It's really cool. I, I think that's they were signed to a French label. Um, and, yeah, it's just so impressive. I think it kind of shows... I think that might be just, just an, like a thought here, perhaps one of the reasons... They're not like, you know, oh, look at this Whitley guitar shit is like, you know, they... So Tunisia had an Islamic revolution, similar to Iran, but more more recently. And then after that, like, the country kind of changed, and that's why they now live in France, the yeah. band. And I think um, that there's a lot of that kind of um, longing in their music that I think um, me and a lot of other Middle Eastern people can can relate to, and, and just Eastern people in, in general. And I'm, I'm going to read... I'm going to read like a, an excerpt from an interview they did. So they say, before the revolution, we had a metal scene in our country, which unfortunately is no longer the case. Now we have a radical Islamist party in our government that demonizes our music and portrays it as satanic. In fact, increasing independence and freedom of speech was the only good thing the, the revolution brought with it because it also ensured the rise of the radical Islamist party, although a large part of the people in the country is actually against it. So that's really that's really interesting in my view, and I think perhaps when you're making music and you're like you're the first band in your country to be signed outside and like you know there's no metal scene anymore and you're um you know you're doing what you're doing i think you're doing something bigger than yourself at that point even yeah. bigger than like just being in a band in general yeah yeah i think yeah totally i think with the added political weight behind you know just the effort to form a band and like it definitely yeah, it just adds just an extra dimension of importance to what they're doing. Yeah, it's, it's a real shame because I would have loved to have seen a present metal scene in Tunisia like there was before the revolution. Like, that sounds amazing. Um, and they have a they have a song on the album, which is my favourite song called Dance. I don't know if you read into... No, I didn't actually, no. Oh, it's amazing. So so the, the story of dance is about a Syrian dancer called Ahmad Judeh who um, received death threats from ISIS for his dancing, um, and he still continued to dance. So they dedicated the track to, I quote them, those who refuse to fall or to stop hoping, even in a world full of hatred and uncertainty. And um, the dancer, Judah, he actually tattooed on his neck, Dance or Die, because that was what this album was going to be called. Ah. And I think, I'm pretty sure he's in the video, the music video of it. Yeah, God, that's pretty wild. So amazing. Yeah. Yeah. See, because it's a, that's because when it comes to the lyrics on this album, I just looked at the track, and I I probably made the well, obviously I've made the the misjudgment of presuming that the lyrics are quite simplistic because they they've got very simple titles, and yeah. I was reading the lyrics and stuff, and I thought it was quite you know quite face value stuff, but that's so cool. I had no idea about that, and that's such a cool yeah. Yeah, it's like, it's really, um, I think most people would just be like, oh, this is cool, but like, oh, is that the door? Ah, don't worry, Manny will get it. It'll be for Manny. Sorry. Sorry for those listening to the podcast. We, we <laughs> probably had a delivery or something. Um, but yeah, the, the lyrics to dance, um, I, feel, I feel like kind of related to the lyrics also to Shahili. Shahili is like the name of a, a southerly wind that's like warm that blows across the deserts yeah. in Tunisia. Um, so the lyrics to dance are well, part of them. Anyone, I'm not going to read the whole thing. It's like, it says, the sky is raining fire. We dance between the bombs. The curtain falls tonight over the ruins and the tombs. We've danced to celebrate our history and fate. We're shining to exist. Injustice and hatred can't make us fall in the night. So it's like a direct kind of fuck you to, yeah. to like extreme radical Islamist things where they're like, you know, you can't dance. You yeah. can't do anything vaguely feminine if you're male. And then Shahidi, um, which was like, this was like a super emotional part of the album because it's like super relatable as an Iranian. He's talking about the wind and he says, it's like a gale to me. I don't want to lie to me walking alone to the sea. It's my homeland that I need longing for homeland. So it's like, God damn it, my Yeah. You know, they, they really touched, um, they touched a diasporic nerve there for sure in yeah. a good way. Yeah. That's, um, <laughs> 
it just reminds me of this is going to ruin the. <laughs> but I just I just think of the elves and Lords of the Rings being, being going to cold. the west. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> but no, it's um, but yeah, it's, I mean, fuck. I mean, when you look at the amount of people that have been displaced in the Middle East, right? I mean, it's fucking just. I mean, fuck. It's you, you're going to need you're going to need a hundred episodes to even begin to cover the amount of oh, it's mad horrors and shit that's went on in that continent. I mean, fuck. Yeah, for real. I mean, I just love that they're they're bringing attention to it in such a beautiful way. Um, Zahir Zogati's vocals are so beautiful. He's got like, I really love Arab that Arab style of singing. It's like super different to like uh, Iranian or or Turkish or Syrian or whatever style of singing. It's like very. It's not like nasal, but it's like very. The timbre is like very warm and wide, and yeah. it's like. So, I mean, it is like the, the warm wind, the shahidi yeah. to, to me. Um, and like, it's, I've never heard it applied to metal. Like I've heard some Middle Eastern style vocals, but like dead can dance and like Melakesha like growling most of the time. But this is like so different. It's yeah. like that Arab pop kind of style yeah. that I really, I just love it. It's so great that to be hearing it in heavy music. Yeah. Yeah. Do you know what? That's, it really took me kind of off guard as well because he does such a good job of like, applying it to like like the metal music as well like in a way that you wouldn't have because like he does he's so good at transitioning between segments which sound sounds more like you know regional to where he's from and then um just something more akin to what you would hear on a metal album and i think orphan land kind of do it as well and i know you're not the biggest (laughs) orphan (laughs) land fan but um but like there's time in this album where it kind of reminded me there was like certain melodic vocal lines and guitar lines that reminded me of what Orphan Land kind of try to do at yeah. times. I think for a lot of people, Orphan Land kind of falls a bit flat, I think. I think for, yeah, I mean, Orphan Land have like the best intentions, but firstly, their music doesn't really, um, I feel like their music's a little bit too bland. And then also the whole like both sides thing that they're doing is like not... Yeah, not to my taste. Um, but I, I know what you mean, and I actually saw them on the same lineup as Orphan Land. They played a Hellfest. Surprisingly, Hellfest coming up again. Um, <laughs> <laughs> they played on the same. Um, I don't know if it was the same day, but they were on the same billing as Orphan Land, and that's kind of how I actually discovered them. Was that they were on the lineup, and they had like a cool logo. So I was like, I got to check these guys out. They look kind of Middle Eastern, and I was like, damn, this yeah. is the one. Yeah. Yeah, great bands. This is the first time I'd ever heard them, so it was a welcome surprise. Awesome, yeah. Um, there's there's a lot there's a lot of stuff to to look into. They have a few albums, but Legacy and Shahidi, I'd say, are the best ones. Yeah, I, I'm hoping that they're gonna be the. I think I feel like they might be recording something soon. One of them just had a baby though, so I'm not sure. So, but they're definitely still active, right? I mean, they're listed as still active. Yeah, I believe I, they better be still active. I will I will send them angry messages if they if they dare go on hiatus. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah. Also, um, the singer Zahir Zogati, he is actually on the 2021 Epica release Omega, and he does vocals on track eight. Oh, no way. There you cool. go. Yeah. Epica also um, recorded a few covers of um, songs from the Attack on Titan anime. No way. That's yeah. so random. It's the only anime I've ever really watched. I've never but, watched that one. Yeah, it, it's quite, it's quite, it's quite fucked up. But Amy basically convinced me to start watching it, and I was just like, okay. And I was like, oh, this is really fucked up. This is up my street. Sort of like giant thins eating people. And <laughs> not like I'm into vor or anything, but um. <laughs> <laughs> it's funny that you should say that. <laughs> <laughs> but it's, um, but yeah, no. So in the epic, I recorded a few um, covers of like some of the. Um, I think it was the intros to some of the seasons and stuff, so it's pretty cool. I actually like Epica. I think I'm not too big into the symphonic mm. era um, area of metal, but um, Epica they they kind of do it for me. I quite like what they what they do. I've never Fair been enough. a big like Nightwish. Have never really done it for me. Um, I don't mind Within Temptation, funnily enough. Huh. I actually quite like a few of their tracks, but anyway, that's enough about that. I I'm I'm ashamed to say I don't like any of those bands. I think there was like one Phantom of the Opera song that Nightwish did, and that's just because I like Phantom of the Opera. Yeah. But I, I think it was when T- Tarja Turunen. So the original one. Yeah, yeah. she was the singer, and I, I, her voice was a little bit too... Um, operatic? Yeah, she was too operatic for me. I like the new one. What's her name? The new one's Floor Janssen. So. Oh, okay. Well, there was three. Oh, there no, was... it was the one before Tarja then. 
What was her so, name? So Taya was the... I'm pretty sure Taya was the first one. Oh, it's always Taya. Wrong. But there was like another one with her. There was a second one. She had a really pretty name. name. I don't even realise that she's been replaced. So the second vocalist was there for maybe one or two albums. And then the one they've had for a while was Floor Janssen, who okay. used to be in the band Revamp. Or well, I think it's still in the band Revamp. But she used to do like growled vocals in that oh, wow. band as well. So it's quite Good. cool. That's awesome yeah, that she but, can do both. Yeah, so she's like kind of um, combined. She's got equal footing in the operatic style as well as the more kind of uh, nice traditional kind of metal singing and um but yeah it's um that's i think a lot of nightwish fans are now settled on on the floor being like the perfect vocalist for the band oh that's awesome i i think i i have respect for all those bands um i just have like i'm very picky about like operatic style vocals i like very pure clear like not too much vibrato not yeah. too much like it's really hard to get that area of the voice nice, basically. You have to train for so long yeah. for that not to sound like bad, basically. I know exactly what you mean. And that reminds me, after this, I've got to show you a song by, you know, the band Therion? Yeah. Yeah, they've got a song that has got, like, it's so operatic and ridiculous. <laughs> and, like, I first heard the song watching, this was, like, the early, early days of the internet where um, I used to download wrestling matches off of LimeWire. <laughs> And I really wanted to download the um, the casket match between uh, Yokozuna and the Undertaker, and um, but I ended up downloading just a uh, just like a, a tribute to the match. It was just like a, a short clip, just the highlights, and it had the Therion song on it. And I never heard the band at that point. I was like, "What the fuck is this?" But it's got the most ridiculously cheesy operatic vocals on it. I have to show it to you afterwards. It's I hilarious. love stuff like that. I love it. That's great. I mean, I, I criticize operatic vocal ability, and I'm pretty sure I have absolutely none. So. Um, come at me and I will accept all criticism. Um, but the next, we go on to the next album. Aye, I think we should. So Didorn, I forgive me if I pronounce that badly. I've never pronounced anything in Flemish in my whole life. Um, but this is the 2021 release by Amon-Ra. It's their first non-mass release. They did six mass albums, which were part of a, a whole body of work that yeah. were connected. And now we have the new Amon-Ra. God damn it, you stole my fact. I'm so sorry. <laughs> I'm so, you can have it back. Why don't you just edit it? No, we'll re edit it. Out. it, it just, this is their first. Um, no, 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 no. But no, this is, um, this is great. And um, I think um, this is their first album with Relapse Records, I believe. Their first major label album. Yeah. And I think you, could, you can hear a massive upgrade in production. Where oh, not, it's so stunning. Oh, it's, it, this, this album sounds fucking huge yeah huge i would even say huge <laughs> but um yeah and it's like um it, it's because i am i was saying we were saying off the air that um am and raw are a, a band kind of similar to the body for me where they've where they're quite prolific and there's a lot of output in terms of like ep splits as well as full length so i find it a bit hard to, to keep up with everything a band's done and it's a bit overwhelming for me at times but i did i really enjoyed a mass six which is the one that had the swan sort of on the cover, which was a great album. And I feel like this is still like a, a continuation of that style, but on them, I'd say on a f an even more kind of grand and kind of melancholic mm. level, so which is interesting because apparently, sorry to interrupt, but apparently Mass 6 was recorded or while some of the band members' parents had died. I remember reading somewhere. That's brutal. So I think that was a particularly difficult record for them. So yeah. this is probably the first one they've done while processing all of that. Yeah. And I think that, that maybe comes across in the music. It comes across for sure. I was reading the lyrics earlier and I wanted to weep because it, it really reminded me of the grief of losing a parent or yeah. something like that, for sure. Um, I think part of the prolific nature of Amun Ra is that they're part, well, they formed the Church of Ra. Yeah. Um, in 2000 and uh, some at some point. <laughs> oh, that was really smooth. Uh, I liked it. <laughs> Thanks, guys. <laughs> <laughs> well, they, they, oh, it was two, no, 2005, around 2005, the release of Mass Free. Um, so some of the bands that are part of the Church of Ra are Weedagood. We, we, we dude. I've always we, said Weedagood. Weedagood. Viga dude, I'm so sorry, European friends. I have completely shat all over precious language. Um, that band, Oathbreaker, Hessian, the Black Heart Rebellion, Dane, Sora Kingdom, and other artists slash bands are part yeah. of the collective, which is really cool. And there's also 166, 
I, I said that so badly. <laughs> I, I didn't even notice. <laughs> I, I just, the, word, the word just fell out of my mouth. A 166-page book limited to 300 copies um, called The Church of Ra, released in 2008. So I, I wonder if that's going to have like Leaf Hound LP price status one day. <laughs> potentially, potentially. Um, so it's like a Belgian collective, isn't it? So I think that's the common denominator, that they're all Belgian. Um, I know um, Weege Jude or Heavy Pants, they are, they are a great band. I saw them Damnation once. And they kind of play like quite um, atmospheric black metal. And Oathbreaker are great as well. I like, really cool. And I know they, I think all three bands share a few members. Yeah. But um, yeah, I mean, they've all made their own individual stamps on the, on the music scene, I reckon. Um, and um, I think Caro, the vocalist from Oathbreaker, does, well, she's listed as being a session vocalist on this album. So I think she is performing all the um, oh. all the female vocals you hear on the album. That's really cool. I was wondering who that was. I didn't yeah. have as much time to research this one. But yeah, I love I love those vocals. They're gorgeous. It's great. And there's some there's some tracks that's, that's consult me notes. Where, um, yeah, uh, oh God, I've got to try and pronounce the name of the songs. <laughs> the Evan Men's, which is, uh, um, which means the fellow man, oh. has got some great kind of like dual screaming. So you can hear like the harsh vocals because she also performs harsh and clean vocals and does a great job in both. And you can hear them. They're both screaming kind of like in tandem. Wow. And it's just, and it's just such a great effect because they both got really shrill emotional like piercing shrieks it's like screams of grief yeah yeah it's like a super griefy album um it reminds me atmospherically a little bit of bell witch's mirror reaper doesn't sound the same but the emotional kind of effect of like you can feel someone's died yeah. when you listen to this i get that i did not make that connection myself but yeah i could totally see where you're coming from yeah um i just think just the way they convey the soundscapes in this album are fantastic. Even the first track, you know, it's quite a while um, before like sort of the guitars and most of the instrumentation kicks in and there's like some deep horn sounds and some quite cinematic sounding kind of soundscapes. And then um, it's just really great. And to me, it just reminds me of just like Urban Decay as well as just kind of similar to the White Ward album we reviewed a few yeah. months ago. Like it just really reminds me of being kind of grief struck in a desolate sea <laughs> <laughs> to me it actually feels more um more like the cover of warnings album you know with the the guy with oh, the, the wheat on his back yeah, yeah 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 to me it reminds me because um because the album title it means fawn or sting yeah and I, I feel i feel a lot of it is quite like um like desolate nature to me but yeah. i can see why you'd also think of urban decay as well yeah um yeah, I, I, I don't know. It's, it's such an atmospheric album, and I like that we, we both can take different things away from it in that way. Yeah. It's uh, my... W w the one track that kind of... There was a track in this album that really, really blew me away. And it was interesting because it's like a... Um, it was almost like this, the track had two acts. So it was Het Glorin, which is The Flash. So that... It starts with like a really kind of monotone like repeating kind of like slightly even groovy guitar riff that kind of like permeates for the most part and then it and and then that ends and then it's and then it's almost like the next act starts which starts with like this beautiful like acoustic and mm. kind of like melancholic guitar work and then it just absolutely explodes at one point and it's just it's just completely overwhelming once it crashes back in and I think, you know, in a lot of ways, this band reminds me of Cult of Luna in the way that they take their time in building up atmosphere. And it's, it's about building up to that big moment. Yeah. And then so that when it hits, it's that much more effective. The, the beginning of the album, I feel like is a really good, um, a really good like example of that. When, when I first listened to it, I thought it was like so there was something wrong. So I had to turn up. And then, like, you can hear <laughs> yeah. it kind of start to march in. And the same thing happened in the car. Because um, we were listening to it in the car, and Shem hadn't listened to it before. And he was, like, just he kept turning up the knob, being like, oh, is, this, is there something wrong with the radio or whatever? And then, like, you just start hearing this march, almost kind of style of of layered sounds. It reminds me of, like, a church organ in a way. It actually reminds me of Mozart's Mass. I don't know if you ever heard you, you No, I haven't. To no, it. No. it was, like, one of the last pieces of music he wrote. And, like, there's a bit of... 
of like speculation as to whether he knew he was going to die. Yeah. He was commissioned to write it. So it's, it's like, it's like a classical conspiracy theory kind of deal. I, it's been a while since I read about it, but it's a fucking beautiful piece of music. And I think yeah. you'd recognize it if you heard it. Cause it's in like loads of films. Um, usually when someone's dying or some big epic things happening, but yeah. it reminds me of that like march of silence before the explosion of grief and sorrow. Yeah. Do you know who are another band that do a, a, a fantastic job of, of that is Morning Beloved from Ireland. I've not listened to them. They're so fucking good. They're like they're like an even more morose and depressing version of Primordium. I don't think I could deal with that. <laughs> <laughs> no, but they're great. It's like if you ever show up for it, I'll, I'll recommend you an album that's really. I picked up the album just once, and I think they had a song that was on the Terrorizer CD, and I enjoyed it. So I was just like, I'll go and buy the album in HMV oh. or whichever. Uh, CD store store sure <laughs> store it was at the, <laughs> the time. The shore is closing. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, it's like a very oh, specific. God. Oh, that was amazing. I forgot about that. <laughs> anyway, but um, oh yeah, but I and I tell you one another thing about this album that I've it's really fucking. I don't really talk about this too much with other groups because I'm not musically gifted and I don't play instruments. But the bass on this album is fucking crystal clear. Like on the track I was talking about, Heck Lauren, like the second act of that track, like the bait. It's honest to God, I actually thought it was like, I thought it might have even been like a piano key at one point because mm. it was just that kind of like, it resonated so much and it was just that easy to kind of pick out. And it's not something I really, I mean, you know, metal was kind of known for, for bass being on the back burner a lot of the time. So, um, I mean, just ask, uh, just ask poor uh, Jason Newstead <laughs> from, from Metallica. <laughs> I feel like a lot of the music, personally, I like has has good bass. Even if you can't necessarily hear it, you can feel it. A lot yeah. of the time, like Sleep, Electric, Wizard, bands like that, they have the bass isn't necessarily doing something crazy virtuosic, but you can really sense it. Like in the music, it's this like threatening presence that's there. Yeah, I really like that. And this album, I feel like if you played this really loud on like a huge sound system, it would sound incredible for sure. Yeah. Oh, I can imagine. And I can imagine live. They're amazing. Apparently, mm. they are amazing live. I didn't go Damnation the years they played. I think they played 2012 and 2015. I think 2016 was my first year. But um, I'd love. I mean, I, I know that um, Gav from Damnation is a massive fan of this yeah. band, so no doubt they'll play there again one day. I hope so. It'll be cool to see them live. I mean, I never thought I'd really get into them. Um, I only really heard them, I mean, I'd listened to them, I dipped in and out kind of similar to you a few times. I'd like listened to them one song on Spotify, but this is definitely an album band. Yeah. You go in for a whole album and then like halfway through, you're like, damn, this is great. Um, I was sitting, um, I'm going to sound like a wanker, but like I was uh, at a photo shoot last week <laughs> and, um, <laughs> and the photographer was playing the new album. I think it was, maybe it was Mass 6, I'm not sure. He was playing Amun Ra. Um, and he's actually shot, he's um, done pictures for them. Yeah. And like, he he posted this incredible picture of the singer. He's he's called Simon Callas. Go and check out his photography. He's an incredible live and portrait photographer. Yeah. And his photographs are super intimate, really amazing use of chiaroscuro, like darkness and light. So um, yeah, he, he took an incredible picture of Amin Ra. He's a big fan. And he was just talking about them and talking about how nice they are as people and playing the music well and it, it was like a really comforting thing to listen to during a photo shoot yeah yeah <laughs> that, that was the case but it was beautiful and I was like I have to check this band out so I, I played the album um like the next day and I was like damn I've been I've been missing I've been sleeping on this band for yeah. too long yeah yeah god and I'm looking forward to seeing the results of the photo shoot as well that'd be cool mm, yeah I could show you some pictures uh, after this uh but yeah it was, yeah. It was a very cool photo shoot that's super cool yeah. yeah, no, it's, um, yeah, see, that's the problem with um, the scene is just like so easy to miss a band yeah. that, that you wish you would have known about sooner. It's even worse when you find out the band split up or it was defunct. Oh I mean, that is just, that's annoying. But um, but thankfully, Amin Ra is still together. But they're just a name I've always heard kind of bandied about. And I think the problem, and I think this is a bit of an issue in the scene when consuming music anyway, is... Um, when you're not too well versed in the scene, it's so easy to get bands mixed up yeah. and confused to the point where it's just, it's impossible to keep track on all the new releases. It's fucking impossible. And, um, and I think a lot of the time, you know, people's opinions on bands, they're, they're kind of like these weird, like, um, 
people like inherit like platitudes and opinions of bands just based on what others have said. So people have never checked out a band. They've just taken what the general consensus is on that band and taken on that opinion for themselves. I know exactly what you mean. And it's like, I just feel like that happens so much in the scene. There's so many people that have never really listened to or given an artist time mm -hmm. just because they don't feel, they probably feel like they don't have the time to check them out. So just go and buy. You know who I did that with? Emure. Or Emma, Emure, Emure, Frankie Palmieri's Emure. band. Yeah, because everyone, everyone on my Twitter yeah. used to take the piss out of Emure all the time, and it was like really funny. But I was like, oh, they must suck. And then they came on in the car, and I was like, who the fuck is this? This is great. This guitar tone's amazing. Like the songs are really fun, yeah. and yeah. like it's it's totally like what I want. WWE. I'm sure they already do, but like it's like a WWE style. I want to like like watch someone smack down whatever the term lingo is yeah. to this uh, this badass music. Well, funny enough, um, Kurt. Angle, uh, famed WBE wrestler, was on the album cover of ah. one of Amur's albums, yeah. Well, there you go. The spirit of wrestling resides in the music yeah. of Amur. And Kurt Angle's an absolute beast. He won the Olympic gold medal with a broken neck. Oh, my fucking God. Yeah. Fuck that. Yeah, I'd go man, home. An absolute machine. I mean, you, he's paying for it now. Like, he's kind of got the whole T-Rex thing at the moment. His oh. neck's a bit fused and his arms are quite short. And neck small. injuries are so common in wrestling. Oh, God. But, um, no, I fucking love Amur. I think they're great. Like, Ban Amur, I like Acacia Strain as well. They actually famously had some beef, Amur and Acacia Strain. <laughs> but, um, <laughs> but, um... <laughs> I just love that. I just love that fucking really filthy, groovy. It is groovy and filthy. I yeah, like that. It's great. It's so dirty. Um, but I say Amon Ra is quite groovy and filthy as well, but in a completely a sad different, way, yeah. as opposed to a violent way. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but um, and I just want to say again, I think the vocals on this album are just absolutely out of this world. I always They're beautiful. I give massive credit to vocalists, and I'm just presuming this here that are absolutely fucking shredding their voice for the sake of the art because that that does not sound easy or painless to do i love that none of the vocals are in english as well i really like what that i'm right right you you frowned for a minute i was like uh oh no no no, no that was just me <laughs> thinking in my head yeah i'm pretty sure i checked and found out the same thing no, i yeah. think it's all in there it's all translated language. and um i went on the metal archives to to read the lyrics and it, it looks like they're all in flemish yeah. and um I, I I love reading lyrics, as as I'm sure people have realised now. The end of the last song was like, it was like the first time I listened to Warning and I cried. And like the end of the last song is like, I I shall read it very quickly. Go for it for those who Great. who wish to know. It's it's literally. I mean, in in, in interviews, Amon Ra have said they want to like um, embody like despair and loneliness, and I think this is the most crystallised embodiment I've ever read. Um, so the lyrics are. I avert my face, forever on my own, in your embrace I am alone, forever on my own, for our sins we must atone, have faith in happiness beyond, have faith there is happiness beyond. I live for you, remember my whispered words, I may come and go, but I alone will remain, for better, for worse, eternal, coming and going, lingering love, coming and going. It's like, yeah. sad. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, and that's some that's some good lyricism there. I see you, you went to the effort of translating the lyrics. I just I didn't translate them myself. No. I just read the translation. No. <laughs> I can't read Flemish. But it's yeah. um, no, that, I, I really love the last track on the album. I've got some really beautiful clean singing on there as well, like yeah. near the middle bit. And once again, this track. I mean, this track took about nine minutes before I think even like the distorted guitars and heavy guitars even came into it. So it was. Um, do you know what I mean? Just going back to that thing, it was, you know, I, I like bands that are not afraid to spend as much time as they feel they need to to build up a track and convey the message and the sound they want to convey. I feel like um, I, I'm just judging, I mean, I've had very limited contact. That sounds like they're all diseased, but I've had very limited interactions with Eminem Ra fans, but I feel like people who like this band really like this band and that they have a very dedicated fan base. Yeah. And I think that um, I think that's really cool that the band, they they do what they're doing and they take their time to do it and they're not pandering. I feel like fans can kind of tell. I think sometimes it's so off-putting when a band's just doing something to please an audience in like sometimes what feels like a very artificial way. And I think people can tell. I guess it's like an authenticity thing perhaps. Yes. Yeah. No, totally. And it's like, you know, I, f I feel like it could be a bit of a fine line for a lot of bands, you know, because you've, you've got... Let's take a band like Opeth, for example, who've changed their, or let's say even Carcass, Carcass Opeth, bands who have ha had multiple stages in their career where they've completely kind of changed direction a bit. And then you, you look at a band like, let's say, Motorhead or, or Vader, the death metal 
band from Poland who just they'll just release the same album year on year. Yeah. And I think it's just, you know, it's I think the key is as long as it's what you as a band want to organically do, mm-hmm. then it, it works. I think, you know, there's no, like, every, everyone loves Motorhead. I'll admit, I've never been I'm that not a big. Motorhead fan. I've never been that big into them. No. I just, I feel like I was maybe, it was the jam. My, my dad liked Motorhead, and, well, he was more of a bigger fan of um, Hawkwind. I like Hawkwind more than Motorhead. Yeah. The live Motorhead are better than Hawkwind. Yeah. yeah. Uh, they're meant to be super loud live. I've never seen Motorhead, Motorhead. Live, I but... saw them once, I think, uh, one or two years before Lemmy died. And they yeah. were really good. They played Bloodstock, actually. So it wasn't one or two years before Lemmy died. Yeah. It felt like that. But yeah. um, they were they were good. They played on the same same night as Coroner, and Coroner were much better. I mean, Coroner was just sick, though. They're I love so Coroner. so good live. Fuck. But yeah, so I'm not part of the. Um, even though it's funny because Motorhead are one of those bands that's super, super influential to like bands like a uh, like or Quarathon from Bathory, for example, uh, and um, Kronos from Venom. I mean, I'm sorry, but every time I hear Quarathon's name, I think of Quorn, the meat yes, replacement. Same, same. <laughs> like... I've just got like, Linda McCartney packaging. <laughs> in my, I actually get head. the branding, the colours, <laughs> yes. everything. I, I start craving veggie burgers. Yeah, yeah it's, it's, I'm actually exactly the same. It's funny you mention that. That's so strange. But um, but no, it's um, I cannot remember what my original point was. I'm so yeah. sorry. No, it's. Um, <laughs> Cheeseburgers. No, authenticity. I think that's just the key thing. You know, when, when, the, when the band is genuine and sincere, you can always tell when the band isn't. I mean, that's why I think, I think that's why death metal could be quite impenetrable for a lot of people sometimes because it's hard to relate about, sorry to be crassy, it's hard to rate about songs, relate to songs about having sex with dead babies. It's not something that we do very often. No. <laughs> do you know what I mean? It's like so, it's, but you know, it's, I've. <laughs> <laughs> But what it is, you got like, because I feel like the thing with death metal is it's got so much, so many commonalities with the the horror genre. Yeah. The people that are fans of like Fulci and stuff and those, the, 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 the Hammer Horror and the, all those B movies, like it's that same demographic where you're not really supposed to take it too seriously. But I think the interesting thing now is we're at the stage where we're thinking, okay, even though it's not serious, we need to still be holding people responsible to write in subject matter that yeah. can be offensive to many people. A hundred percent. I totally agree. Um, yeah, I mean, that's really important. I think, God, what do I think about this? I mean, it's just shit that some people are so, like, mentally um, out of touch with reality that they've got a like, the most entertaining thing to them to, to write about is, like, hurting another human being, especially yeah. one that's weaker than them. It's like, why, why is it metal to you to hurt a child or a woman? Like, that kind of shows how insecure those people are that they think that, like, they can't take on anything bigger like why don't you write about like disemboweling a dinosaur why don't you write about like why don't you write about sucking the cock of an alien i don't know i mean that's that's far more metal in my opinion i want to hear about that you know please someone just go do that i will will review it for this podcast when you mentioned sucking the cock of an alien just somewhere geiger (laughs) is staring down at you from some afterlife saying yes that's what we're getting at (laughs) (laughs) but that's good shit it's great. I mean, I'm kind of surprised that doesn't exist. There must be some kind of like strange alien hentai uh, metal out there. Well, you know about Shep's is it, doing like God sucking motions. It's you know about rule. Is it is, is it rule thirty four? Rule yeah, something? rule thirty four. Where you can where there's basically some uh, hentai or I don't know if that's the correct term. Some it's, it's, if it exists, there's porn. porn. Yeah, yeah. The weirdest one I've found is door handles. Door handles. Yeah, door handle porn. Yeah. <laughs> I'm trying to picture it. it it's literally like pictures of women like licking door handles and worse I'm not going to describe the rest What's, of it that just reminds me of the documentary about the guy with that, the cars yeah and, and then it was just oh this is a horrible shot where it's obviously he was spunking into the exhaust pipe right <laughs> and there was just and there's like a there's a solitary pube just dangling from the pipe I swear to god every time I think about it I want to gag it's just fucking disgusting but, poor cars. Oh. Is that the one? I've not seen it, but someone was telling me about being a documentary, a car fucking documentary, where there were like two car fuckers and they got them to like meet up. And then, like, one of the guys, he had sex with the other guy's car when he wasn't there. <laughs> so he cheated on him with his car. <laughs> he like cucked the guy. <laughs> <laughs> Oh shit, that is fucking bad. That is so bad. And like, apparently, this guy was like a real sleaze bag, but it was like with fucking other people's cars. So. Oh man. Can you imagine if someone like screwed your car 
and you come out and there's like a pube and oh my god it's just oh god so disturbing that reminds me once my partner and i apologize for um doxing over this story was once asked <laughs> to uh, write a uh, transformers erotic fan fiction once was it and paid it, well and was, i don't think she did it but it was okay. um but yeah it was the, they were very specific about wanting to include things about having sex with the exhaust pipe do Transformers have exhaust pipes? I've never seen a Transformers film. I did used to watch... I, I love the concept of Transformers more than any of the actual... Same. Like, TV shows or... And I was a, a little bit young for the TV show anyway. I mean, I think I had a couple of them on VHS. Mm. And I watched a few and thought they were all right. But I, I was obsessed with the toys and the ideas that you can have something and turn it into a giant robot man. I thought that was super cool. I think the toys were more fun than the cartoon, for yeah. sure. Yeah. But it's a but I don't no idea about the law. I know that they're apparently these fucking million year old aliens and they're not they're not actually, you know, robots or some shit. But it's weird yeah. how millions of years ago they had the concept of cars, millions of years before we had the concept of cars, which suggests that alien intervention from Transformers appeared at some point to to give humans the idea of the car. It's pretty weird. Yeah. Although I I, I gotta <laughs> tell the story. I have to tell Please. it. I might have told it once before, but the the place and the name of the person are going to remain nameless, but I was working somewhere <laughs> and um, someone was... <laughs> we can cut this if this doesn't translate well. <laughs> but the name of this, per, uh, this, this this guy came in, a customer came in, and he says, oh, my son's um, got autism. Um, <laughs> <laughs> oh, my God, Shem! <laughs> he said my... Uh, so this customer came in and said, my son's got autism. Have you got any... Uh, uh, products or toys suitable for a child with autism and then the other member of staff was just like yeah yeah upstairs on the uh, fifth floor and so no I've just come from the fifth floor they told me to come back down here and it's just like you sure it's upstairs she was like yeah, yeah there's, there's autism toys autism prime from Transformers right? oh no <laughs> but, <laughs> no autism prime <laughs> oh my god that's terrible yeah that doesn't sound real. It's funny because no. I was thinking of the same place. Yeah. Whenever someone mentions Transformers, because I, I have spent time in that area, and there was like a giant Optimus Prime that would always go, what was it, like Autobots? Like Autobots, roll out. That's it, Autobots, assemble. And I hate it so much now. Like, whenever I think of it, it yeah. like triggers me. <laughs> it's really, it's really, uh, oof. Yeah, I'm not into Transformers. Um, but I like the concept. The concept yeah. is interesting. I think they should have been more like sports car-like or UFO-ish. I don't know. So I like Beast Wars. Do you remember Beast Wars? That What's was Beast sick. Wars? Beast Wars was basically a rip-off of Transformers. It might have been made by the same um, studio or whatever, but, um, but their main character was uh, like, it was like a pun on, um, I almost said Autism Prime, <laughs> Optimus Prime. It was, uh, it was Optimus Primal. So it was like a big gorilla. Oh that my God. It like a gorilla that turned into something It else. should have been Optimus Primal. Octopus Prime. It should have been like an octopus beast. Yeah, that would have been but, badass. But that was cool. I remember watching Beast Wars. Beast Wars. That's fascinating. You know, remember that like many weeks ago, I made one comment about Digimon and jeans. Yeah. We did some research and apparently Digimon do wear jeans as a sign of rebellion and their different jeans actually mean different things. And like if they've got ripped jeans, they're like a rebellious Digimon. If they've got like good jeans, they're like a, a cop Digimon. <laughs> Which is, okay. like, so crazy to me. But, yeah, that's a fun fact for those who God appreciate damn. the art of I wonder if my brother knew that. He is the biggest Digimon fan. Really? So, yeah, he used to run home from school to catch it on TV. That is so cute. Yeah, he was 15. I love... Oh, okay. Yeah. It's still cute. <laughs> yeah. It's still cute. I liked it, too. too. Yeah, no, I liked it. I much, much preferred it to uh, Pokemon. I, I will prefer Pokemon, but I, I I still have like five Digimon cards, so I'm just yeah. gonna hold on to those. Yeah, I had some while. I had some Digimon cards. I don't know, they were just I didn't even know where they came from. Might come from a cereal packet or something. Probably, yeah. But, um, but yeah, fuck knows. I mean, a long time ago now. They're a lot more confusing than Pokemon. But I really like Pixiemon. I thought Pixiemon was so cute. Oh Do my you god, the there's a pixie. Pink, it was like a little pink ball. And it had oh. like, um, oh, it was super cute. And it was like super powerful as well. It was one of the most powerful Digimon. I like, I like yeah. the ones that unfortunately are more furry-like, which back then I had no concept of furries. <laughs> it's like a Garurumon and yeah, stuff. Yeah, I like yeah. the like the big wolf kind of looking guys. <laughs> yeah. yeah, but now I'm like, oh man, I can't, I can't. Um, like, I can't, can't get into that. No, yeah. no, not at all. No. Um, Amun-Ra, so we were talking about Amun-Ra, right? Yeah, we were. <laughs> <laughs> How did we get here? Sorry, I was just reminiscing about the time I witnessed a... Um, I know what you're going to talk about. 
the fucking, the bronies. The bronies, jabronies. Yeah, the jabronies. <laughs> but yeah, I was in a cave scene, they're all talking to each other through their plush. Mm. And that was, that was terrifying. But each to their own, I suppose. But no, I'm in right. I fucking love this album. I don't want to detract from how much I, I enjoyed this album. It, it's good. I'm, I, it, I love that they're, they're on a major label and seem to have success now. And I think this, the, this, the upgrade in sound production, whether or not that's a direct result of the label or whoever um, mastered and engineered it, but it just sounds fucking great. And I hope this is the album that hopefully catapults them into a, a larger audience. I think so. I, I think they're going to do really well off this. They tend to play really great shows. They probably have an amazing booking agent. Um, yeah, like, congratulations, Amun Ra. I think yeah. this is a, a beautiful body of work, and they've already created, like, a whole discography for people to discover now, too. Yeah. So that's. I think that's really cool. And I think, you know, I, I, I love when there's thought into, like, naming albums beyond just... The first or exactly, whatever. yeah, me yeah. too. I it's like, like the whole that. concept, like they've done six albums called Mass, and that's obviously a, a singular body of work. And now they're obviously this is like a new stage, and, and it's just super cool. I just love shit like that. I just love just that attention to detail. I'm excited to see what they do next as well. I'm yeah. really curious just to see like if they're going to continue with the concept of this album of like the sting and the fawn, yeah, um, or if they're going to do something a bit more like because they've done something so um, like connected now they're going to go new places yeah i'm curious to see either way it'll be great i'm yeah. sure it's yeah. exciting times super exciting um do you think that's a good place to end it i believe so all right let's end it so feel free to like and subscribe and comment on the video we will we will reply we will read we will we will take on all um information you choose to give us so thank you so much for watching and listening this is serpent temple out until next time as in until about five minutes. <laughs>